Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I am really excited to introduce all of you to Cameron Sorsa. I had the pleasure of meeting Cameron a few years back at Grove City College, where he was then and is still a student. Once a semester, I have the great pleasure of going up and speaking at uh, one of the classes in the Entrepreneurship Studies program, and Cameron was in that class. And that day, he really impressed me, and actually so much so that I invited him to be an intern with Launch Consulting, and he continues to impress me. And I will also share with all of you, this podcast would not be possible without him because he has really made my vision for Mothers of Misfits a reality. And I am so grateful to him for that. But the reason I asked him to join me and us in this conversation today is because he really is a misfit. And I think that's marvelous about him. I can't imagine him any other way. And Cameron is truly trailblazing in multiple avenues. And so I want all of you to hear from him, his perspective of being a misfit while in college and growing up and how that's impacting his career trajectory as well. So Cameron, thank you so much for joining all of us. Thanks for having me, Emily. So that word misfit, right? You've heard me talk about it quite a lot and how passionate I am about really turning the concept misfit on its head because most of the times that has a very negative connotation. I want to make it the cool thing to stand out, not to fit in. But all of that said, how do you identify with the term misfit? For me, being a misfit is just how we naturally interact with our environments. Constantly, we're put in situations and uh, there's a standard way to doing things or so people think. And uh, it doesn't really fit the mold of who we are and how we operate. And so being a misfit is, you know, something to be proud of. And it is the way that we do things. Yeah, I love that. I'm over here cheering because, yes, so true. It is a myth that we all fit some standardized mold. And who wants that anyways, right? We're all created so uniquely to accomplish a very specific purpose. And though I think most come to that realization later in life or in adulthood, but it is so painful to watch our kids or young people. And it'd be interesting to hear, you know, as, as a college student, we know there's that pressure to fit in right? To be something and that you can be ridiculed or feel lesser than when you stand out, right? So I'm really glad to hear you talk about how misfit is, is, is such a great thing and a thing to embrace and really to appreciate that we're all misfits, right? So talk about your experiences while in college, because that doesn't really fit the mold, I would think. So you are a full-time college student and you're in the entrepreneurship studies program, which is, I think, really fabulous. Grove City College has an excellent program for that. But that's not 
all that you do. So pretty uncharacteristic of college students, you have a business that you have started and are operating. So can you talk a little bit about everything that, that you're doing right now? Definitely. So as you said, in addition to studying full-time and being a commuter, uh, two classes, I have a Amazon FBA business, which I started two years ago. And Amazon FBA, for people that don't know, is essentially I buy things and sell things on Amazon. So whenever people go and press buy now, I might be the person that item's coming from. And then Amazon ships it to you. So we've been doing that the past two years, and it's actually been great because I've been able to employ other college students to uh, help me in procuring items and getting them ready for fulfillment. And uh, in addition to that business, I've also have had the internship with you at Lons Consulting. And uh, really a pretty long list of other side projects uh, ever since uh, freshman year. <laughs> Uh, I'm always working on something, and so learning from all of my experiences and just taking it in to the next venture. And so ultimately, I'd like to get involved with some type of tech startup or create my own uh, startup. But right now, I'm working on building that Amazon FBA business. And uh, as you mentioned, that is really kind of uncommon because a lot of times you'll see that students that are studying in college won't actually start a business until after they graduate or even a few years after they graduate. A lot of times people won't create something while they're in classes or they'll be forced to look for a job once they realize they have student loans. And so I kind of took a different approach to that where whenever I was heading to college my freshman year, I went in with the mindset that I'd find a way to pay off all of my student loans before graduation. And I will admit that after the first semester, I kind of felt beat <laughs> and didn't think that was going to be possible. But lo and behold, uh, I met my business partner and started in with the Amazon FBA business. And it started to look a little more brighter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really commend you. I don't know that I could have had all those plates spinning when I was in school. And I think it's fabulous that you have such a significant goal and to to you know graduate without debt. And we know what a problem that is for a lot of students. But I want to go back to this drive you have, right, to start things, to need variety, to innovate, to experiment, to try new things. And I... I'm sure you can think back to times you know, well into your childhood where that's you know, always been true of you. And what we know from the assessment that you took, which is an assessment that I use with a lot of my clients called the Colby Index, unlike other assessments that measure personality or intelligence, this particular tool gets at how you're hardwired to problem solve, to take action, to get results. And for you, it is to be the misfit, right? To take the path less traveled, to push boundaries, to try out new things. And what's remarkable about this component of human beings is that it never changes. So can you think back to times uh, 
early on where you had this entrepreneurial spirit even then? Absolutely. One of the categories in the Colby Index, uh, Quick Start, which is my highest category, uh, really speaks true to, I would say, my past uh, many years. I can think of many, many examples, uh, but just jumping into things and uh, not really putting a lot of thought into getting involved with something, uh, I will say yes very quickly. <laughs> And so thinking back, um, just with going from opportunity to opportunity. So my freshman year at Grove City College, I was working on a app idea called Dance Tracks. And we got to take that idea to a competition at campus. And we put in many, many hours of work into the presentation and the creation of the idea. And whenever we didn't win or receive any money at the competition, I mean, it was it was a little bit of a down point, but that was actually the same day that I met my business partner and he took me uh, to go shopping and find items and I was off into the next thing. And so leaping from thing to thing, uh, I'm not going to be down very long. And so I think that's a pretty good example of just my ability to jump into things and uh, look to create. I think that's a, a great description. And I'll say, as you're talking, I'm thinking back to the conversations that I've had with a lot of families, particularly parents over time who had entrepreneurial type children, right? Like you. And they'll say things like, why can't you just stick with something, right? Or no, we started piano, you need to finish piano. <laughs> and they're watching their child jump from thing to thing, activity, instrument, dance classes, right? This or that. And that nature for them to need variety and newness and new challenges can be misinterpreted as being a quitter, or not sticking with it, right, in yeah. a bad way. And so it is important, I would say, to those parents that have those kinds of kids to recognize that and ex accept and appreciate the need to try out new things, lean into that, right? Give them various experiences. If they're trying out soccer for the first time, don't go out and buy hundreds of dollars of equipment because three months from now, it might be karate or it might be piano, right? And you know, we just, that's where we need to understand our kids and what they need. So then we can respond to those needs, but not mm -hmm. pressing on them this need to stick it out. Because I know also a lot of those kinds of folks that are then into their careers, they might change jobs every two to three years. Mm -hmm. and that's what they need to stay in the game, right? They need to stay engaged. But then they have these pressures from their family members saying, why can't you just stick with it, right? Why, why don't you just get a safe, secure job? And they're happy to have the variety, but it feels like this outside pressure, again, to sort of fit this mold and, and be the normal. <laughs> and that's not true for them. So on that note, how would you say your parents helped you embrace, because I know they were very supportive and they're entrepreneurial in their own right. How did they help you really embrace that need to 
try out new things and risk take and experiment throughout your upbringing? Definitely. My parents have a veterinary hospital. And so growing up, uh, originally, I always knew I wanted to do something with business. and But in addition to that, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. And it wasn't until 11th grade that it hit me that being a veterinarian wasn't really what I wanted to do. Because I kind of ran a calculation in my head that eventually I would want to spend more time working on businesses that I've created rather than being kind of limited uh, with my hours when it comes to, you know, acting as a veterinarian. Plus, you'd have to go to eight years of schooling. And, well, schooling's not my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> uh, but my parents have definitely been very supportive. Uh, thinking back into my childhood, back in like fifth grade, my dad uh, recognizing uh, my interest in uh, business helped me get some private labeled cap lights. So it was a light that goes on your baseball cap. And so it was CJS Enterprises. And we had this business where I'd sell it like trade shows or, you know, craft uh, fairs. Um, and then also we got into a local hardware store. And so I was selling those for a while. Uh, but kind of paired with my ability to be quick start, but also uh, low in implementation, I kind of got bored with it <laughs> and it kind of faded. Uh, but I did do that for a few years and it helped me to learn a lot about uh, money management. I was saving 50% of my money at the time. Parents were making me, but it was a good lesson. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I definitely wish I could save 50% of my money today. I'd like to work more towards it. I hear you. Yeah. Well, that's such a neat experience. And to have that recognized, you said your dad saw that in you in fifth grade and was able to give you a platform to express that. Now, what we haven't been talking about, except you mentioned school is not necessarily your favorite thing, is your experience in school, right? So you are part of the majority of the population that is really not wired to do well in school. And I'm not talking about smarts here, but it's proven through uh, research that only 20% of the population shares a hard wiring of the teachers. Basically, this, those students learn the way the teachers learn and therefore teach. And so they have more like tailwinds in their school experience, right? So things are, of course, they have to work hard and of course they have to put forth effort and of course intelligence matters, but they have less friction in their school experience. Whereas the majority of people by a little or a lot, learn differently than how they are expected to learn and function in school. And you're part of that latter group. And so it's common to hear from those kinds of folks that school was often a stressful experience because it, typically that need to bounce around between topics and speak before you raise your hand and uh, you know think of new and different ways of doing the assignment aren't always welcomed. 
So how was your experience in school and even now, but even through, you know, elementary, middle, high school, mm-hmm. now college, can you see how sometimes there's that friction between how you naturally do things and how you feel like you got to do things to get it done in school? Definitely. So back in elementary school, I was pretty much a straight A student, uh, but that wasn't very hard. (laughs) And then uh, middle school hit and going into high school. And uh, I would just say that my interests started to get split. I started having other activities. I got involved in the 4-H program. And uh, so that started taking some of my time. And so A's and B's. <laughs> and uh, 4-H was a great program for me because, I mean, outside of school, just having a place to learn new things. I mean, that's where I ended up finding photography. Uh, but that took me like three years into the program. I started out wanting to show beef cattle. Six months later, I was doing, uh, I was in a leadership team and was going away from home for the first time. And I mean, all of these experiences outside of school were really valuable for me. But inside school, I mean, high school, you kind of coast by. But in college, I would definitely say that the way that I am is definitely in conflict with the standard way that classes and teachers expect things to be. Um, Oftentimes, if it's not of interest to me, I will be tuning out and thinking about other things that are of interest to me. And so being able to keep attention uh, can be really difficult or wanting to deviate uh, from the way an assignment is supposed to be done. Uh, I... uh, haven't written very many long papers. Uh, most of the time when they say one or two pages, I'm doing, I'm doing the one page. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I rarely write anything over one page. <laughs> Writing is not a strong suit. Um, but really, I mean, in classes and I mean, even in the clubs that I'm involved in too, not wanting to conform to the way, the standard way that things are set up, wanting to kind of do my own thing. And uh, obviously getting pretty frustrated whenever I'm told that I can't do something, uh, but I know it can be done. And so hitting that brick wall and then thinking, you know, what what do I want to do? And I think all of those things combined uh, really come together uh, with a, uh, quote that I have quoted for myself. Uh, I'd like to be quoted on it someday, uh, which I can be now that I'm here on this podcast. Uh, but basically, uh, if you're you know studying something like entrepreneurship in college, if you're not thinking about dropping out every day, you're not really an entrepreneur because you constantly have to be questioning you know the opportunity cost of what you're doing. And it's constantly playing through your mind, okay, what if I was going, you know, full throttle in a business right now, rather than splitting that focus? And so not really knowing which is going to pan out, whatever is going to happen is going to work, but it's something that's always running in your head. (laughs) Yeah, and you need to have the potential for failure in order for you to operate on all cylinders. 
which also can be hard for parents of folks like you to really embrace because when you have a child, you just want to protect them, right? And you have these life experiences where you kind of know how certain things are going to pan out. And so when you see this big risk in front of that kind of child, we, we want to keep them from having that bad experience. But for an entrepreneur like you, you, if it's a sure thing, you don't even want to do it, right? So you lose your motivation to get in the game. So you thrive in those environments that could go bigger, go home, right? It's like, I, this could this could go really well, or this could totally flop. And for you, that actually provides the fuel and the excitement and the energy that you need to get behind it. Whereas, you know, your mom might be a nervous wreck, <laughs> but it's important to give opportunity and space for students like you to experience that. Now, of course, we don't we don't let them take those kinds of risks that risk their health or their safety, right? So there are certainly boundaries that we don't go past and we protect them from that. But we've got to let kids fail. And that is hard. I mean, I'm a, I, as a mom, that it's hard to even say that. But we really have to let that happen. And going back to what you were talking about with school, feeling like you're hitting a brick wall at times, that's just devastating to hear because you're willing to be engaged. But when there's only one way to complete the assignment, that is so frustrating, right? And and then that the net effect of that is oftentimes those students who are willing to participate, excited to get in, get into the activity, but then realize that it's going to be this conflict, they just shut down and they stop caring. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited that you're still working really hard at school, but have you seen some of those, have you seen peers, particularly entrepreneur, entrepreneurship program, have you seen some of those folks start to kind of shut down with school and be more excited about those opportunities outside of the classroom? Interestingly enough, there there is a quite a few number of people studying entrepreneurship that even after graduating, even after multiple years out, haven't created something, which is unfortunate. Uh, a number of students actually will go and work for maybe like a startup, but there is, you know, a percentage, I don't know what that percentage would be, of people that things don't pan out exactly what they thought it was going to. And I think a big element of that is, I mean, you can't just get a degree in entrepreneurship and really call yourself an entrepreneur. Uh, you really have to go out there, work and create something. Uh, but there is a, there definitely is a group of students that are looking to create. And uh, I know the incoming class of entrepreneurship majors has been increasing uh, steadily uh, and sometimes jumping a bit uh, over the past couple of years since I've been in the program. And a lot of people are coming in looking to create some type of social venture uh, that can really make some impacts. Uh, but a lot of times in the classroom setting, I think a lot of people will get caught in the rut of doing something as a project 
And uh, once the class is over, it kind of ends. And so really being able to take the next step and create it, monetize it, is something I think a lot of people are just scared to take the leap to do. Well, it's the misfit path. Right. And as you're talking, it's making me think my dad, who is wired very similarly to you and is most definitely a born entrepreneur, he always said, it's not what you do, it's who you are. And it is important that students, as early on as possible, figure out who they are. And that helps them find their lane in life, which, of course, it helps them make those good decisions about what college they should go to, what college major they should be in. In my extensive work in career coaching, I've seen so many students choose a career path because it's what their parents did. I mean, you nearly fell into that, right? Mm -hmm. It's what they know. It's what's familiar. So they major in that and then they don't like it at all. I just just coached a young man, very smart, talk about innovative and entrepreneurial. He's off the charts. But he went to a four-year expensive private college, got the degree, hated the whole educational process. And uh, after his first job of six months, quit and said, I'm not doing that anymore. And is now really struggling to figure out where he should go next. And that's a common story. Because again, I think we're, we're counseling young people to choose careers based off of what's, what's familiar to them or the courses they do well in, or maybe even what they're passionate about. And though those elements are important, your career choice has to start with how you're hardwired to operate and how you perform. And it's not about, you know, I'm with you. There's that big discussion about our leaders born or made and, there's a lot about us that is designed, right? We are designed to contribute to the world in a very unique way. And the earlier we can tap into that, the earlier as parents, we can know that about our kids and foster and develop that. The earlier we can help them develop a self-awareness and confidence in that, the better, you know, versus these folks that, you know, I've also coached people that are in their fifties and they're still lost. And it's just heartbreaking to hear them. They're just, they're just going through life, just getting by, right. They're surviving. They're certainly not thriving. And it's exciting to me to see you know this about yourself and to capitalize on it, literally, but to capitalize on it and just lean in full force. Right. So because admittedly, you know, you uh, you might be a little trickier of a child to have in the sense of, you know, you are always pushing boundaries and testing and and trying out new things. And I am the oldest. And you're the oldest, <laughs> so, you know, you're trailblazing on multiple levels. But what advice would you give to parents who have kids that are wired like you? My advice would really be just to look and see how you can foster the areas that your child is passionate about. And if they haven't really found that yet, because I know, I mean, as you have more and more experiences, you find new things, then you need to help them get some exposure to those types of things. 
for me, that was 4-H, and that really launched me into all kinds of different things because, I mean, you're not really going to be exposed to a ton at just your regular high school experience. Um, so finding programs that they can get involved with, that they can start exploring and meeting people, and that maybe they can discover what those passions are is definitely really important. And then just looking for opportunities like my parents did uh, with being able to help enable me to, you know, search for those things uh, whenever I started doing the Caplight business. And uh, just really helping to support your child by letting them figure things out and discovering new things, I think is the best course of action to really helping your child. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And it's about responding to their needs, right? Versus having your child fit into your box or your mold or your expectations for them. You observe, you let them take the lead. You, you know, if they're interested in karate, then you help them go get signed up for karate. If they're interested in starting a business, then you don't get the cap lights, right? And it's, it's just about not having to be in the driver's seat and letting your child help you understand what their needs are and then be, be available to meet those needs, right? Mm -hmm. I love, I love an exposure to all these different activities, activities and experiences, particularly outside of school. And I mean, constantly throughout life, we're going to hit rough patches. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, we're going to seek, or not seek, but um, experience failure and uh, being able to go from one thing to another is very important. And just being able to take some uh, analysis of what has happened in your life and being able to take away from those experiences as you go into something new. And uh, I mean, if a door is closing, just look at that as another door opening. Because from what I've seen the past few years, there are really limitless opportunities. Uh, finding opportunity isn't an issue. Uh, finding something that you're going to be very passionate about and being able to really put in all of your effort towards is really what's going to pay off in the end, having that focus to actually execute on it. Yeah, we all want our kids to, to find their lane and find their fit and feel that joy of fulfillment and satisfaction and productivity. And all too often people don't get that. And again, they're just, they're, they're working to get by. They live on the evenings and weekends. And, you know, my vision for, everyone that we encounter, and I love that you're also now an ambassador for that, is don't settle for less, right? Don't settle for that. And we each need to find our fit. And for you, I love that it is to be a misfit. So Cameron, thank you so very much for joining all of us today, for sharing your story, your passions, and your wisdom for 
parents who have kids that are just like you and, you know, that hopefully they took away some really helpful, practical information today. And I'll tell you one more time. I've told you many times, I uh, believe wholeheartedly that you have a huge future ahead of you. And I just will say again, remember me when you're famous. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Emily. (laughs) No problem. Thanks again, Cameron. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.